You're listening to the Health Coach Careers Podcast, brought to you by Wellpreneur. Learn what it's really like to be a health coach in these interviews with real, successful health coaches. These interviews originally aired on the Wellpreneur Podcast, and they're hosted by me, Wellpreneur founder, Amanda Cook. I hope they give you inspiration and insight into planning your own health coaching career. Are you thinking about becoming a health coach? I know it's a big decision. I know I had a lot of questions, fears, and excitement when I took the leap to become a health coach while I was still working full-time. That's why I've created a free health coach decision kit to help you decide if it's the right next step for you. Download the decision kit at wellpreneur.com slash decision kit. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So Alex, I'd love it if you could just start off by giving everybody a little intro into what your business is and what you do. Thank you. So my business is called The Low Tox Life. And while I started a personal blog, which was sort of opinion-based, it was exploration-based, I really started to become interested in responsible health coaching before I even knew health coaching existed. So for example, you see a lot of people hating on themselves, guilting themselves, shaming themselves about the decisions they do or don't make do or don't stick to. And I just thought, gosh, there's some really negative self-talk out there in what should be a beautiful journey uh, uh, towards a better us. And so I really started to think about that psychologically. I had a bartending background of all things. And so I have spent a lot of time with a lot of different types of people. And I love the psychology of how you get people to change their mind on stuff and think differently about things. So I started applying that to my blogs through my community. Then uh, learned about IIN, the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, and I did that health coach course, not because I really felt I needed a, a, like a qualification next to my name or anything, but really to just say to myself, I want to work on becoming a more responsible coach in a more formal setting. And it was a beautiful course. I really took a lot out of it, especially the psychological stuff that I just love nerding out on that stuff. And so the blog kind of developed into being a real hub for people who wanted to learn things about how to do things better, bake with better ingredients, whole food cooking, organic sustainability, and also, of course, all of the environmental stuff, so environmental toxins and um, what we put on our skin and um, clean with and all those sorts of things, that it started to kind of take off. And so the initial kind of wave of people, we all went on a journey and then all these beginners started asking questions and, you know, there's only so many people you can answer at the same time. What shampoo do you use? I'm looking for something non-toxic. And I just thought we really need to start looking after these people, but I knew I couldn't do it one-on-one. I didn't want to spend hours and hours, day upon day, when my real mission has like a real change the world kind of engine behind it. I knew I had to do something for one-to-many as opposed to one-on-one coaching. And so that was how I became an e-course business. And right now it's um, absolutely flourishing. I've been able to help 2,500 people in just over 12 months and it just feels fantastic. So now it's very much a thriving blog and um, an education platform. Awesome. And I want to get into all of that, but I kind of want to give the readers a little bit of a background. So we came across each other. We were introduced by somebody else who's been on the podcast, who's a health coach, Marla Bozik. She was interviewed in episode 75. 
And she said that once she'd heard your story, like you were absolutely a person that we should have on the show. And so as we were getting ready to do this interview, you actually asked me if we could delay for 20 minutes. And it turns out it's because you were baking a cake. And I just, (laughs) since you mentioned baking as part of your business, I'd love to have you share a little bit about that story because you were baking a cake for somebody special, I think. Yes, I was. (laughs) So um, tomorrow morning, I'm going to one of my favorite types of events for anyone out there who's listening from either Australia or the US. It's a beautiful company by a gorgeous friend of mine, Emma Isaacs, called Business Chicks. And hopefully she'll come your way to England soon. So um, these events basically bring to the audiences, huge audiences, like 800, 1,000 people at a time, the biggest names in the world. You know, I've I've seen all sorts of people. um, Gosh, I can't even name one. Richard Branson, for example. Um, Tomorrow morning's guest is Nigella Lawson. And I asked whether it'd be okay if I made something for her. I just adore baking. And she's very much one of the people who taught me not to begrudge cooking, but taught me to be very grateful for the fact that we get to cook and feed and nourish ourselves and how beautiful and positive a privilege that is. And so I thought, you know, what am I going to bake for her? There's there's so many recipes. I have my Real Treats ebook and, um, and a whole bunch of recipes since that. So I decided I would bake my spiced fig and ginger bread because I just thought, you know, when you're traveling for business, you just yearn for that home-cooked something, something that really tastes like it's come out of a very humble oven that wasn't chefed up and prettied up and and loaded with sugar the way a lot of um, commercial desserts are, just for that hit of that instantaneous pleasure. So I've, I've baked her a cake. Oh my God. But what stress? I can't imagine. Aren't you like trying? I mean, I understand now why you delayed the interview by a few minutes because like you can't risk over situation. Yeah. Yeah. You can't over under bake a cake for Nigella Lawson. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) So can I ask, what's your plan? Are you just going to go up and give it to her? Absolutely. (laughs) With a business card, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, good luck. That's really, really cool. Okay. So let's dive into a couple of different things. So first I want you to tell us, I want to look at both the fact that you aren't doing one-on-one coaching, which Mm -hmm. I think is really interesting because I know, you know, some people love one-on-one coaching I know, and for other people, it's really draining. And so, and I think there's this feeling like, oh, if I'm a health coach, I have to do one-on-one coaching. And so did you ever do one-on-one coaching or how, how did you come to that decision that it wasn't for you? No, and gratefully so. I, I do do hours of power with people who really feel like they need some direction. You see, for me, I'm never able to help the person in the way that I know a lot of people who are attracted to the nerdier side of my research. You know, it would require supplementation. It would require some serious blood testing and biomedical testing to check liver enzymes and all those sorts of stuff that I know for me, I really needed. And I just felt that I would either be an irresponsible coach recommending too much or frustrated that I didn't have the knowledge that was required to help the person in the way that they needed helping. The people that I like to help in the broad sense are lifestyle changing people. So it's perfect for health coach knowledge perfect for that sweet spot of just do that little bit better and here's how and here's how to find things easier in the kitchen and here's how to get excited about swapping over to organics and all those beautiful lifestyle things. But in a one-on-one sense, for me, 
once I started listening to people, I thought, no, no, you don't need me. You need a naturopath. Let me give you this person's number. And I really like helping people get to a much deeper level of healing than I'm able to do myself. So I prefer to send them on their way. And then I hold their hand through a more casual setting, like one of my e-courses. But it was really interesting because when I had some coaching myself, business coaching a couple of years ago now, about 18 months ago, she asked me for my five core values. And uh, one of those values was changing the world. And it's something I've had in my belly since I was 16 years old. I remember my first boyfriend and I sitting on a, a rock one night before some concert that we were giving. We were both musicians and we would talk about how we would save Africa and cure the world from hunger and all these massive, massive pipe dream stuff. I just always knew that I wanted to make a really big difference. And I had that activist gene. And I think you can't be an activist and hang out with one person. You just, it's too frustrating. It's like, uh, this is not going to happen if I do this with 38 people a week. 38 hours a week, I need to reach thousands of people. I need to get out there I need, and I need to play a big game. And so it wasn't really at all, not once about the money. I wasn't even thinking about that kind of stuff, although I should, of course, it's important to remunerate ourselves. But when it started and for the first three years, it was really about me digging deep, finding out what my drivers were and matching the style of business development that needed to unfold for me to actually start monetizing and earning a salary for myself. It just had to be in line, if you like, with my needs in terms of my life and what I want to give to the world. And some people love to nurture in that individual sense and become beautifully close to few. And I like to be someone who touches many, but not super close. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. And I think it brings up a really good point of having the confidence to trust what your gut's telling you and what you know about yourself and how you like to work the best. And I think especially online, you can get so distracted and see, oh, this person's doing an e-course, so I have to do that. Or this person's made all this money doing VIP days, so I have to do that. And actually, there's you know, hundreds of different ways you could make your business work. And I think what you're saying is you just really need to be self-aware and choose something that works for you. Absolutely. Because if you keep comparison itising your life (laughs) and your business, you're never going to be listening to your heart. You're always going to be listening to everybody else's information and what they're doing and, and feeling like you have to be out there, just like you said, just then doing everything that that person's doing and that person's doing. And you've just got to look inside and go, actually, this is what I want to do. This is the best way I can give. And this is a way that feels right to give for me. And if it feels right, people are going to feel that it feels right and they're just going to want to work with you. Definitely. You now know, I... You can feel it when someone's forced. Sometimes you receive those um, emails from people when you just pop in to kind of curiously check out a Facebook ad and, and the business behind it. And it's like, hey, gorgeous and XX. And I'm like, I don't know you. That feels so forced and fake to me. You know, we really, really, to be sustainable in the businesses that we create and grow, it has to be us. It has to be our own personal magic. I'm a huge believer in that. Absolutely. Especially when you're starting a business that's based around you as a personal brand, it has to be authentically you. It can't be, you can't be like acting as if you're one of these other guru people that you see. And I think that, that happens a lot that we see like copycat businesses. 
And ultimately, I don't think that's sustainable. And I think you're exactly right. People can sense it. So however you are, I mean, for people listening, however you are, like that's okay. And there are people that are going to be attracted, just like how you have friends. There's going to be clients out there that are going to see you being you and really love that. So you don't need to like everyone else. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So I know a lot of people, like loads of people actually out there listening, want to create an e-course and feel totally stuck about how even to start. So when you were looking at creating your course the first time, how did you even start with it? How did you decide what you were going to teach and how you were going to structure it even before you got to the technology part? So the very first thing I did was I looked at how best I could possibly serve my community at that time. What were they telling me that they needed from me the most? And that was I'm trying to find a natural cleaning product. I'm trying to find a non-toxic face cream and shampoo and all these sorts of questions that I was getting. And I just thought that needs to be turned into a product where I can help beginners so I can keep the existing community moving along as well without ignoring incredible people at that first day of curiosity saying, I want to change, help me, you know? And it was really just so... For you guys out there to just look at what whatever your business is, you know, if you're a, a health coach, this is a uniquely health coach series. Yes, it is. So if you're a health coach and let's just say your niche or that your particular focus is postnatal women, you know, I mean, there is just so much that you could do for those people that they would thank you for. It could be something as simple as creating you know, doing a joint venture with a personal trainer and creating 14 unique, I don't know, little mini workouts and selling them as a bundle with tips, you know, today and matching up a smoothie to it. And there you go. That'd be a 14 day course and it'd be 49 bucks and you could do some SEO around that and you could advertise it on Facebook. And there are many, many people that would really benefit and thank you for that. And you'd be able to be of service and do it in a way that really helps the people you're trying to serve. To me, it's always about being obsessed with serving the people who are right in front of you. Forget everybody else, because if you've got the people who are in front of you now, they want to be there. So impress them and then they'll tell their friends. They'll do the marketing for you largely. So it's, you know, quite often we're like, oh, it's not enough for me to have 50 Facebook fans. I've got to have 5,000. Well, we'll never get to 5,000 or 50,000 if we're not helping the 50 in front of us who then share and tag and do all those things that help us grow our community. So yeah, that would be my advice to really look at how you best enjoy helping people in whatever particular niche you're gravitating towards or one that perhaps your audience has helped you find. You know, sometimes you're not the one who dictates the subject. It's actually just that people seem to get great answers from you in a couple of areas and then that grows and you're like, wow, I'm, I'm actually really enjoying helping people out in metabolism repair. Like this is really interesting. So let's see what we can build there to help people more. I think that's a really good point because I think it can be tempting that, you know, we kind of get a bit self-centered as business owners and we're thinking, 
well, I just want to talk about this topic. And so I'm going to create a course on this. But actually, in my experience, you have better results when you create the thing that people are asking for. So maybe somebody, they keep asking you these same questions and to you, it seems really basic, or maybe it's not your favorite thing to talk about, but you can talk about it. You do need to be in alignment with it. But if it's something people are really asking for, and it feels like it's an area where you can really help, it's probably best to start there creating a course rather than that fantasy thing that you want to create that nobody's really asking for. I mean, you can do that, but then you might have a hard time selling it. (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, why not just write a simple two-question survey to your existing email list and just say, look, I'm building something really fantastic. I'd love to hear from you about what your two top health challenges are right now. Those answers alone, even if you've only got 100 people on your list, are going to give you an insight in terms of the majority that comes back in terms of types of answers. Like if 80 of those 100 women write back to you and say fat loss, then hello, you don't want to create a course like I do on non-toxic products. (laughs) You want to help them with the fat loss. So yeah, listen to your audience. Get the vibe from them because they'll be your greatest fans and your easiest uptake, the people who are right in front of you right now. So something that people get stuck on a lot when they're thinking about doing their e-course is how long should it be? That's a question that comes up a lot. And then the juicy one, how much should I charge? So how did you handle both of those? Let's do pricing first. I handled that appallingly. (laughs) And I'm very prepared to admit I charged way, way too little the first round. But in retrospect, I think there's always a positive. You always have to believe that there is. It was wonderful because they almost became my pilot group because it was so inexpensive. And there were a few little tech glitches and things. I said, you know, and this is exactly why I made it so inexpensive. I really wanted to make sure that we could iron all these things out and you guys could help me do that. And it turned out that they would just become the most incredible core unit of followers I've ever had. And so there was a positive to that very inexpensive price point. I'm not a big fan of a really expensive course, but for me, again, it comes back to my change the world goal. So you can't change the world if only rich people can do your course. You can't because the majority of the people are low to middle income earners. So for me, it's really, really important to aim for big intake and lowish price point. While I've doubled that since my first round, it's still only either 75 or 130 Australian dollars to do my course. It's really reasonable. It's a stretch for a lower income family. It's totally fine for a middle income family and it's a blink of an eye for a wealthy person. And for me, that middle class is the greatest change that I can help make because to me, I see people going non-toxic and low-tox that's not just helping their health, it's helping the five, six people they might live with. It's then helping their girlfriends and their friends. And if enough of us start buying phthalate-free, BPA-free, phenoxyethanol-free type products, and we're seeing it already, microbead-free, companies just stop making them because we're telling them we don't want that stuff anymore. So that is largely why I charge very little for my courses. Now, if you're out there and your target market is wealthy people and you do want to have say 20 clients and you're happy to have 20 people and you want to charge them $4.99 a pop, then great power to you. But again, it just comes back to you. 
the type of work you like to do, the type of intimacy you want to have with your clients and how deep you want that to go. Obviously, less people, more expensive, more people, less expensive. And then go from there. It's going to be different for each person. I can only share what works for me and my goals as a person in life, you know. I'm really glad you shared that because I think in the online business world, a lot of people talk about charging premium pricing. And I think there is a risk that a lot of people out there listening, because we want to help everybody, we tend to undercharge for what we're offering. And then you get in a situation where you're not really making enough money to support yourself. So what you're saying, because an online course is scalable, you can decide to charge a lower price, but then you really need to make sure that you're scaling your audience. So can you talk about that a bit? Because obviously selling like 10 courses a month, is not really going to cover your bills, right? So how have you handled that and really focused on the growth of your audience? I've never had a launch under five figures, never. And I attribute that to being a very trustworthy person in a medium-sized community. So I have a Facebook fan base. When my first course went live, I had 18,000-ish fans and an email list of about 5,000. And then from there, I've now got over 40,000 Facebook fans and an email list over 10,000. But it's very important that you've got your numbers right. I wouldn't do an e-course that you were charging a small amount for until you had a slightly bigger community and you really had that trust and you were quite a public person. You'd done some public workshops, a part of my work in terms of building my own personal brand and affirming that I'm someone you can trust to take you on these learning journeys is doing public speaking and taking photos and putting that online so that people really see that I'm regularly up in front of 50 to 400 people speaking on health topics. And, you know, it's really about doing the groundwork first and not being lured into this false sense of e-course millionaire promise that you can be a starter and run five-figure, six-figure e-courses. I personally think it would be impossible to do that and make people happy. There's a certain level of organic trust that you build that at least someone who's then seeing you online and buying your course is a friend of someone who's already at least a part of your community or subscribes to you or knows of you. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But then you might have a private practice and have, say, 100 clients that you've worked with in the past couple of years as a one-on-one health coach, and you might then want to release to this 100-person base, I've got 20 spots coming up for a very personalized group coaching. We're going to be meeting up here once a month, and we're also going to be doing some online modules and a webinar, and we're going to do food diaries and all those sorts of things. And while my one-on-one coaching is normally $7.99 for six months or whatever you might charge, this particular course is only going to be $4.99 for the first 20 people who take me up on it. And that's when you are working with a very different, very elite, very small base that you can still do something that you probably end up with a very similar end dollar value, but you just do it in a way that you prefer to work. So I love the rally, the let's get everyone behind this, let's change the world. I'm a total idealist and I love that big movement style e-course. That might not be for everyone. That might terrify some people. Some people might think, oh my God, I don't want 300 people asking me questions on Facebook. 
no, thank you. But I love that. So it really is, it just comes back to doing what feels right for you, working the right kind of course out for the type of business you already have in place that's going to earn you the money you deserve to earn. 20 people, $4.99, what does that make it? $10,000 for six months? And you would just make sure that that didn't suck up for full-time jobs worth. You'd ideally only want that to take three or four hours a week of your time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you've still got time to build that wealth in and other revenue streams. Does that make sense? Totally. Thank you for sharing that. That's really, really useful. I'd love to talk a bit about like the tech side, because I think that's another part. Once you've kind of people have figured out what they want to teach and the transformation that their clients are going to get, then there's the whole, well, how do you actually deliver it? So what have you used to run your online courses? Okay, so the very first round I did, and actually one of my other courses as well, I just did MailChimp and I just email dropped each day. And then that was paired with a private Facebook group. And that was how that ran. And there were all sorts of links and PDFs and everything was in that. Now, I found that that wasn't formal enough. I found that it didn't make it official enough when I was asking people to make some pretty massive changes in their lives. And I really wanted it to feel like it was going to be like going to school, going to virtual school. And an email in your inbox is not like going to virtual school. So I then explored options uh, with my WordPress designer about what kind of course platforms there were within WordPress and Zippy courses had just, just come out. And I thought, you know, it looks really user-friendly. It's something that I don't need to call my designer every time I want to make a change. It's It's just like using WordPress. It's that easy in the back end to upload, to change things, to embed a YouTube video. All those things are really, really simple and it's not expensive to get up and running. I can't remember the exact figure, but you're definitely only looking at a matter of a few hundred dollars to get it all up and running. And I consider that to be very little when you're just about to get 300 people into an e-course. So it's, it's all about, you know, just making that investment. If you're serious about this, if you really want to do an e-course, it has to feel official. It has to feel like, oh, I sign in, I get my login details, I pop in and I see what the day and then we go and talk about it on Facebook and, you know, then it really feels like school. And um, if you're asking people to make lifestyle changes, I highly recommend something more official than an email inbox drop to deliver the information of the modules. Now, you might have private videos. You might do it completely video-based. So people might have a Vimeo sign-in or Wistia sign-in and everything might be in video format. And then maybe the MailChimp or the whatever mail client you use is just a PDF transcript or, you know, a few extra pointers and maybe a couple of printables. Or, But I really do think it shows people you're serious if you have a slightly more formal setup something that they at least need a password to access or somewhere to join that's private for, um, for chit-chat between participants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you could do a free e-course as well as a list building tool and that can be just a simple MailChimp, you know, the vegetable of the day. This is why the, t- the zucchini is awesome. This is my favourite five ways to cook it. Everybody jump into the Facebook group and show us today's zucchini challenge recipe and, and make something with zucchini. So, you know, I'm just pulling ideas out of the sky, but something like that that's, that's really informal, casual, and you're just doing it as a freebie to build a list, then that's fine to do on MailChimp. But I really do think 
once you're starting to charge people, that something a little bit more formal should be in place. And I've really enjoyed Zippy. They've come out with some fantastic updates in the year that I've used them. And um, I'm definitely continuing with them. Cool. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So I'm a bit, personally, I'm a bit like conflicted about, I, I totally agree. I agree with you that, that it gives the best experience. But one thing that wellpreneurs struggle with that I've seen quite a lot is that it feels totally overwhelming. And so for anybody out there that just wants to try it, for the first time I ran my course or I ran one of my courses, I just created a password protected page on my WordPress site where I could just send people there. So there was one password, they could just log in, they didn't need a username and they were just able to access the course content. I've also done it um, with Wistia and just uploaded videos to a Wistia page, which Wistia is video hosting for business. So I just say, you know, if an e-course is in your plan, absolutely like we want to work towards having a membership site and having it be really formal. But I think the most important thing is just to try it the first time, like you did, Alex, like try it and then get feedback. And you learn so much more by just getting it out there, even if it isn't perfect. Yeah. And then if you totally fail on that first, which we all do, hello, there's a lot of failure, failure breeds success. So it's all good. If you do have a massive fail and you missed the mark on what you thought people wanted and it turns out they weren't happy to pay that price for that product, then at least you haven't invested in a whole membership site. So Mm -hmm. it's absolutely important to start small, I agree. And don't do a huge launch, you know, just literally your list, a few posts on Facebook and you're done and just start with those people. Absolutely. Taking action wins every single time. So do you still have a Facebook group or now have you moved to having like a private forum within Zippy Courses? No, I don't like forums. Everyone likes to hang out on Facebook. So I think why move the party if the party wants to be there? It's like trying to move people out of the kitchen at a house party. Everyone wants to be there. So why say, no, the party's actually going to happen outside. And everyone's like, why? I'm standing in the kitchen having a great time. So I think it's the same with Facebook. Everyone loves to be there. It's still the number one place where my target audience absolutely hangs out. And so I keep it as a private Facebook group that got switched to being an alumni group as soon as the first group was finished. And then everybody else that finishes the course now gets in, invited into that alumni group. Oh, cool. So are you, I mean... Thinking about scalability, because you said you've had a couple thousand students go through this now. Yeah. So how, yeah, how is that working for you? Is it, is it taking like a lot more time as the group grows? So they know that I pop in there when I can. It's not that I've promised people ongoing coaching for free forever. And they're really respective of my time. It's really just about um, being really clear and really vocal. Like, you know, a lot of people started trying to private friend request me on my personal friends and family page. And, you know, all it takes is just a quick kind of, guys, you know, so lovely that you would want to connect with me over there, but that's really just a a space that I keep for people that I've met and close friends and family. So this is where we hang out. People are really respectful of you if you're really clear with your boundaries, I believe. And so, you know, you can have, you can set rules. You can say, I'll be in here on Monday nights. You tell me what you want to chat about. Other than that, it's up to you guys and these are the house rules so that we acknowledge that we're bringing a good energy to the space and respecting each other and not posting sensational kind of links to unsubstantiated health claims and all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that seems to work pretty well. Something I have also done though this year is taken one of my courses and turned it into an evergreen course. 
which is one that people do now without me and then pop out into the alumni group at the end. So there's no online, there's no coaching during the course. And that, that's been my way of starting to pull back a tiny bit and conserve my energy. Well, let's talk about that a little bit because you brought up boundaries and energy. And, and just before we started recording, we were kind of chatting about that, how, you know, especially as you want to change the world, you want to help everyone. Yeah. And it can make it so that you're just giving and giving and giving, and you don't really save that creative time and energy to create the next thing or even for self-care. So how do you balance that in your business? For the first six months of doing my e-courses, I didn't balance it at all. There were about three months where I didn't get a period. So my hormones went mental. And there were probably about three weeks there where I didn't get more than six hours sleep in a row for three weeks. So that really stuffed my thyroid up too. And I really learned from that. I think, you know, it's such a shame that us humans are so apocalyptic and we really wait for the SHIT to hit the fan before we do something for ourselves. But nevertheless, and lucky it was only six months, I really thought, okay, if this is going to grow, this is absolutely what I want to do with my business. But how am I going to do this so I'm not the one and only guru all the time and everyone feels they have to turn to me for the answers? And that happened by me making it that I was online for two hours a day in the groups when the course was live and that my coaching happened while the course was live. After that, I pop in and out and that's when we set the boundaries that I talked about before. And that's for my low-tox course and also for my Thrive e-course that I co-author with another health coach, Brenda, which is aimed at parents empowering kids um, with their food choices and um, fostering a real love for food. And so now that's why I made the decision for my Real Food Rockstars e-course to pull that out and make it a non-coached course where I put a lot more video content into the live course so that they're getting a lot from me while they're going through the course and I'm right there on their screen, but they're not getting to ask questions. And what I've then turned that into is a premium offering that's an extra $200 on top of the 75 that the course costs where they get a mid the way through 80-minute coaching session so that I'm just starting to go, okay, it's a great product. But realistically, if I want to have four or five e-course options and run them two to three times a year, then I'm literally doing nothing but coaching hundreds of people at a time with repeat questions over the year because it's always the same questions that people want to ask. So that brings me to another thing that I've done, which is every time that I get a question that I know I've been asked before, I put the answer to that in the module about that topic so that next time that doesn't come up again. And it can be as simple as, you know, a lot of people are quite lazy. You know, all of us want the information fast. I'm lazy that way. I'm like, okay, give me the bottom line. What do I need to do? Tell me where I need to go to buy the thing and I'll go buy it. You know, just who's got the time? So what I did was simply say, these are the top 10 chemicals you need to avoid in personal care. And I'm happy to run any ingredient list over and have a quick check of it for you. But you have to check these 10 ingredients first before you ask me. And what that did was it literally from one round of Lotox Life to the next, it brought the questions down by a third. It was just incredible. Um, Just by putting that into the module. That's such an awesome idea. Such a good idea. 
And this is the beauty of having a product that you do over and over again. It's like you get to work on it and make it better and not make it just better for other people, but make it better for you. It's so important that we remember ourselves in this equation. Otherwise, you end up helping the world and hurting yourself. And that's not, that's you eventually just not going to be able to help people anymore. And that's not what we want. Mm-hmm. Alex, thank you so much. This has been just so helpful. I think a lot of people will find it really motivating and, and so instructive on how to get started with their own e-course. Can you tell us where people can find you if they'd like to connect or, or buy one of your courses? Sure. So my website is lowtoxlife.com. You can find me there and um, all the social shares. I'm on Instagram and Twitter as A-L-E-X-X underscore Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T. Um, so that's for Twitter and Instagram. So click through to the Facebook group from the website um, and join us there for the conversation. We're a pretty talkative bunch. And then, yeah, all the e-courses are right there on the sidebar. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. And I'll put all the links to all of those in the show notes. So thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Amanda. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Health Coach Careers Podcast. If you're thinking about becoming a health coach, don't forget to download my free Health Coach Decision Kit to help you decide if health coaching is the right next step for you. Download the decision kit at wellpreneur.com slash decision kit.